Welcome to the Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. I'm Charlie Wright, and we'd like to welcome as our guest today Jason Rowlands, CFA, co-founder and now senior portfolio manager at Premise Capital. He speaks to us from the headquarters just outside of Chicago, Illinois. Jason, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Hey, thanks for having me, Charlie. So, Jason, you're a CFA, as we mentioned. You've been almost 25 years in uh, the industry working on quantitative investment analysis, portfolio management, trading algorithms, etc., and now you've developed the Premise Capital Index. So let's start with a very brief background of yours and of Premise, because I know that previously they were owned by someone else. Yeah, not necessarily owned by, but what it was was essentially sort of born out of a financial advisory that had been around since 1947. I started off as an advisor before going down to the floor and working on trading um, and also doing the CFA exams and that sort of thing. Uh, What had happened was I got together with a different advisor who had been running an asset allocation uh, regular financial advisory. Uh, actually, his father had started it, and the firm actually started in 1947. And Premise was created essentially as a solution for customer accounts. Uh, we were looking for a way after 2008 and 2001 previous to that to add tactical to uh, customer portfolios but we really didn't like the way tactical was being used in the marketplace because it was a very sort of all-or-nothing, bet-specific, concentrated into a few different bets and a few different classes, leverage and those sorts of things. We wanted sort of a, a way to incorporate movement into a portfolio while so you weren't necessarily doing buy and hold, but to avoid some of the other things that sort of came along with it. Okay. And so uh, I see on the website you, you guys talk about frontier-based tactical. Those are not terms that, that uh, words that are usually put together in the same term. So define for us what you mean by frontier-based tactical. So what we were trying to do was define tactically different. Tactical became known and is still known as sort of a manager doing whatever they want. So you could think of it as if the baseline, instead of doing whatever you want, was a diversified basket, then the tactical movements would be related to the positioning in that diversified basket. So you'd start with a diversified portfolio. You'd look at the classes that were in that, would say emerging markets, relative to large cap domestic, relative to international, and you would adjust according to that diversified basket. So you always had this diversified framework of, of the frontier, so the tactical movements were done both in the creation of that frontier, basically how are each each class relative to each other using the expected return, the same mathematics that everyone uses to create the frontiers, but then also which position on the frontier might be the best in the current environment. Do you want to be more or less aggressive, but in a diversified basket, not more or less aggressive because you're just buying, going to all cash or going to, say, double leveraged mid-cap or something like that. Okay, so, so how do you do that? So what we do is we essentially use the same you know, techniques and mathematics that a, a lot of firms would use once a year. They would look at the capital markets once a year, and they would sort of make these frontiers, and then they would go out for that year, um, and then they would put mo- uh, portfolios together using, using those models. Uh, the other difference is that we're not as long-term or historical-oriented with those. We still use the same mathematics, but we allow the expected returns to adjust a little bit to uh, current market conditions. So if, like you say, uh, 
emerging markets you thought in a regular market might be 12% of a diversified basket and you don't like it, we're not just going to adjust it to 11 and a half. We're going to actually sort of let it move a little bit more. And that's the, so the mathematics are essentially the same um, that people are using to create their capital market assumptions and thus the portfolios that flow from them once a year. We, we're just a little bit more nimble in the way we do it. Okay, so so let's take a specific example if we can. So so let's take the, the regular tactical kind of approach that that we're used to, where they're using relative strength or momentum or trend following of some type, and they have a half a dozen to a dozen different markets or indices in there, and they're picking one, two, or three that are uh, moving favorably here, and they have a particular time frame of ninety days or six months or three weeks or something like that. So given that as the example of the more typical tactical strategy, how does yours work uh, in, in contrast to that? Okay, so in a general sense, that that's the prevalent strategy that's, a, that's out there right now. They're always talking about you know the decisions of when they're in things and when they're out, like when things are right. good or when things are bad. Right. And that's always a hard enough decision so what I think that most of those most of the managers have done is they they've also tried to say that one thing is better than something else, and it's actually very hard to determine that one thing's going up, let alone one thing's going up better than something else. So what you end up seeing is a lot of these blunt allocations where there might be you know five different classes that we use, and we have twenty percent of all of them if they're all good, or we have you know you know or if one of them's bad, then we'll have 20% of all and 20% in cash. And they have these very blunt sort of rules that they impose on top of the actual trading methodology. So what we wanted to do was actually then provide more above the trading methodology, which was to actually create a portfolio of what those decisions looked like. And we went back to the way the efficient frontier was created to create what the portfolio of those decisions looks like at the end. Okay, in terms so... Of time frame, that would be yeah. another answer. Okay. So, so in terms of time frame, we're looking at more 18 months to three years on each of the individual classes, the 12 classes that we use in the basket. And we're trying to say that, you know, if all things were normal, we would just look like a diversified aggressive basket, just like any other uh, diversified ETF basket might look like if you were to create one yourself. But what we're doing then is we're creating then, if something looks negative, we create a new basket that reflects the expected return change of that one class. And then also which position on that curve you would sit at. So it's dramatically different than what other tactical managers are doing, which is much more reliant on the bet being correct. Okay, and so it sounds like diversification benefit. Okay, Jason, it it sounds like you dial up and dial down as opposed to 100% in or out out of your in your 12 positions. Is that the case? Correct. So not only do we dial up and dial down, but you can sort of think of the 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 maximum diversified basket being the riskiest we will ever get. So not only is it just sort of a maybe a 90-10 equity to fixed income, but it also has sort of an appropriate amount of merging markets relative to large cap because that diversified basket might have 12 or 15% in emerging markets and 20 or 30% in large cap. You're also not going to see the concentration of an individual class where it's 100% in something like emerging markets, nor 100% in large cap or anything, or any other class because then – the diversification, the benefit of correlation, and all those other things that everybody is so used to, you give all that away and just rely on that bet being correct. And that's what we didn't want to do. Gotcha. Okay. And and so are you are you ever 100% out of one of those 12 uh, ETF positions? 
and go to cash for that position, or do you reallocate to something else, but but you're not in uh, that position at all, or are you always to some degree in each of the 12? Um, there's potential. So we never purposely just go to cash in any position, because what we do is we lower the expected return of that class, and then create a new efficient frontier in the positions fall where they may. So it's not a sort of a hard-coded, I'm going to get out of this and put it into that. The frontier then gets created based on the correlations and the new expected returns that we're putting in. So while that said, it is possible that in some classes we would we would be completely out of, depending on their correlations and the general market environment. If you're sort of out of a lot of the equity classes, you may only end up with a little bit of a large and a little bit of a, of international and not a lot of emerging but if you're in generally in a lot of the equity classes you're going to see an amount of all of everything represented in most times okay and are the are all 12 of these equity positions or are they fixed income or uh, you know real assets or anything they're both okay Uh, no no alternative so we specifically avoided alternatives um you're looking at sort of a broad-based indexes and sort of the plain vanilla spy ag efa emerging high yield some of those indexes without the things that are alternative because what we really wanted to do was define tactical as more of a purposeful adjustment of the exposure to the classes that you're in in the core and not make tactical what it is now, which is just an alternative guy trading on the side. Now, we started out uh, mentioning that you've been in uh, quantitative investment analysis, portfolio management, trading algorithms, etc., and I believe you have a strong technical background uh, in actually creating systems for others in these areas, uh, correct? Right. When I, I started off as, adv- as an advisor, then moved on over to the floor and started trading, uh, eventually got hooked up with sort of more of the algorithmic trading, and then was working, developing systems uh, either for other people or judging systems for people that would back traders uh, down at the Board of Trade, where traders would come in with systems and they would say, I want to do this, I want you to give us money, and then they would have me look at the systems, back test them, sort of see what they work, see if there was any value. So I had a lot of experience in developing these systems. When I got together then with Uh, the other advisory company, they were looking at sort of incorporating tactical, but didn't want to utilize sort of the go-anywhere bets that were prevalent. So what we were trying to do is create a a system that incorporated uh, the risk controls that you're able to do. You can right now sort of set, I never want to be more aggressive than sort of a 70% equity, 30% fixed income with no concentration bets. But if things look bad, I would like to sort of be more like a 50-50 investor or a 40-60 investor. You can actually sort of create this sort of maximum uh, risk of a, of the basket, which everybody was already creating, right? They'd sort of do the financial planning. They'd figure out the risk tolerance of the customer, and they'd give you a basket. We're sort of bringing this concept of sort of a minimum risk, where if things don't look so good, where do you want to be? Tactical managers, the way their systems were created was sort of 100% cash. We gave you sort of a tool to say, well, maybe you want to – lighten up a little bit, still be in a diversified basket, and just sort of move along that frontier, along that efficient frontier curve to the left when conditions weren't. When all the, say, equity classes were bad, why am I still sitting in a 70-30? And the answer was always, well, because if you have 100 years, it should come back. And we're like, well, but if I'm going to retire in five years, maybe that's not enough. Like, maybe I need to do something else. And if the answer was always, well, if you're going to retire in five years, you should be in 100% bonds, that never seemed to be a good answer either. 
So, Jason, your combination of uh, frontier-based investing together with tactical, it, it's very, very interesting. We, we need to stop and take a short break. Uh, we'll be right back. And when we do, let's talk about your uh, index, uh, a premise capital index, uh, TCL, uh, I'm sorry, TCTL ETF. TCTL. TCTL ETF. Okay. Again, we're talking with Jason Rowlands, uh, CFA, CFA uh, co-founder and senior portfolio manager at Premise Capital out of Chicago. You're listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, and we'll be right back. According to the consulting firm Strategic Capital Allocation Group, every decade since 1900 has experienced at least one bear market, and several have experienced as many as three. So how do we protect our principal from these declines without missing the gains when prices rise? At Strategic Investor Radio, we interview asset managers with unique strategies designed to both protect and grow your investments. Investing is not rocket science. It's rocket fuel if you know how to harness it. For podcasts of our interviews, please visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. All right, back to Charlie and his guests. Thank you, Paul. Again, we're talking with Jason Rowlands, um, co-founder and senior portfolio manager at Premise Capital. So, uh, Jason, can you, before we get into uh, TCTL here, can you give us an example of uh, a way for us to mentally picture how you guys are different, and perhaps uh, when something went up or something went down or something uh, that it would have been or was in other people's tactical portfolios, but it wasn't in yours or vice versa, so that we can gain a little clearer mental photograph here of the difference between their tacticals and yours. Um, Sure. So an example would be through sort of 15 and 16 uh, when you looked at, and most advisors and customers would know if you're creating a diversified basket, that you were, that the S&P 500 was sort of the winner of the horse race of all the equity classes. So a lot of advisors were in the position of trying to say, hey, we had this diversified basket. The S&P might have been up 13%. Why am I only up 8 or 9 And you're saying, well, because I had these other classes. I had international, and I had emerging, and I had mid and small. But since the S&P was the winner, well, then... Obviously, the basket of those classes doesn't perform as well as the one class that is the best performer out of the group. Uh, But there's still a benefit to the diversification, and that was sort of the conversation that people were having, you know, through 15 and 16, especially because the S&P hadn't really been doing much at all. Um, So what you're looking at in in our case is you still have that diversified basket, but instead of having to make the call of being in 100% of the S&P because it would be the best performer, or having some blunt decision of having 25% in four of the different classes or something like that, what you saw in our portfolio was just a tilt where we saw the negativity, uh, the negative trend in international. We underweight international relative to the rest of the basket, which we had. So you can see that sort of the way you're making those decisions by over and underweighting classes has an effect to the diversified basket where if I just had to, like, start the year and say which class is going to be the winner, which one would I pick? That's a much different decision compared to those two portfolios and to, to those styles in general, which is why people were buying tactical to begin with. They just end up with a lot of tactical managers that are making bets. Well, you have to make bets to get out. You can't be buy and hold. But 
what do you get on the other side of that is a lot of underperformance to the upside because all of a sudden you're getting in, you're chasing things, you're using leverage and doing things like that to try to catch back up. And we saw that as not really a good solution for a customer's portfolio. So the way I would describe it and tell us how accurate this is, is instead of getting in and out of various markets, you basically dial up or down. Yeah, we over and underweight. It's yeah. more like relative to that diversified basket as well, so it's less extreme. But if you think about it, in a 2008 situation, do you need, you, you know, we thought always, well, maybe the 70-30 guy would have been better off sitting there as a 20-80 guy or a 30-70 guy, sort of flipping that allocation. You can still be in an efficient portfolio on that frontier in a diversified basket, but maybe your aggressive guy's portfolio looks more like your conservative guy's portfolio looks at certain periods of time. But in the portfolio, not just somebody pulling buttons and saying, I don't like stuff, and just getting all the way in and out. So there's, if that's what you mean by dial up and dial down, then yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so and instead of 100% versus 0%, it's you know taking it from uh, 30 to 20 or 30 to 10 or 30 to 25 or something like that. So, so let me ask another question before we get to the, uh, to the ETF. It sounds like this has a fairly significant amount of subjectivity to it in terms of your dialing up and down uh, in, in uh, the different positions, as opposed to most tactical managers uh, that we have interviewed on this show have said this is a rule, rules-based investing. Computer does it all, and I don't ever make any decision. I, I just you know put all the input in and then maybe tweak the system occasionally, but they say when to buy and when to sell. Sounds like the, your system has a fair amount of subjectivity to it. Uh, no, I guess that was one of the benefits of my experience on both sort of the investing side and the trading side is that I was actually able to create this system that has no subjectivity at all. Everything is done from the decision on whether the classes are trending up or down to the amount in the portfolio is all done through an algorithm, basically. There is no subjectivity in any of it. Oh, I see. So so instead of go, so so when the decision is made to go from 30 to 25, the system makes that decision. You have no input personally to that decision at that time other than how you created the system. Correct. Yeah, huh. there's no more there's no there's no other input even in the creation of in when you're saying 30 to 25 could be talking about, you know, large cap going from 30 to 25% of the portfolio. But you could also be saying, uh, you know, a 30% equity, 70% fixed income portfolio turning to a 25% equity, uh, 75% fixed income portfolio. Both of those decisions are part of the, the creation and are not subjective. Okay, great. Well, I, I had not understood that well. So, TCTL ETF, tell us about it. So, TCTL sort of gets back to what we're talking about with those two different positions sort of on the curve. So for scalability purposes, when we ran separate accounts, we sort of said a growth investor we know never has never, you know, should be more than say seventy thirty. And then we created a a bucket for them and we said that you could get out and be thirty seventy. An aggressive investor might be a ninety ten and we would pull them out to say be a forty sixty, you know, equity to fixed income. Um, so what we saw though was that creating T C T L as an ETF it could then be combined with a core basket, gave the advisor or the customer complete customization. They could set the top amount of equity exposure and the bottom amount by the amount they gave to TCTL. The second uh, benefit of it is the tax efficiency of the trading happening within the ETF wrapper as opposed to the advisor or the customer having to make those trades themselves. So you could 
if you put 30% in TCTL and you had 70% in a core basket, you could sort of set the top range because, you know, our diversified basket plus your diversified basket would be a diversified basket at some risk level. And then all the trading would happen in our side of it. And if we got completely out or down to a sort of a 10% equity, 90% basket, you would know exactly, you'd still know exactly where you were as a customer, you would, as an investor. You would know exactly what the most risk you would ever see, both from a total fixed income to equity ratio and from a concentration standpoint, where you know that our 30% isn't all in high yield. And you would also know that if we got out, where your customer or where your portfolio would be when we pulled out. So in the tax efficiency of being in the ETF, it's much more advantageous for those trades to happen in the ETF from tax efficiency and from operations, you know, just so that you, you know somebody's making decisions based on the environment and you don't have to sit there and make all those trades yourself or keep watching all these different classes. Like somebody will, with a system, decide international might be a little bit bad to be in and lighten up. <laughs> and we'll lighten up inside our piece. You don't have to lighten up inside your, your side. Okay. So uh, as you see it, what market conditions do you think would work well for your strategy and vice versa? So if you can think about what we would always have is we're just going to have sort of a diversified basket. So working well for making money would be that generally all markets are sort of increasing. Working well for sort of beating everybody else is sort of a different thing, right? You would sort of need us to sort of be out and markets to go down. But we don't wish for that. We always want markets to go up. So it's sort of like what works well to, to be in it would be that all markets are sort of trending upwards. The strategy when markets go down, um, we think would have value, but then obviously we have to call things right and everything's sort of a probability on whether we're right or wrong in that particular time. Okay. So a question we like to ask all of our guests here, Jason, is what keeps you awake at night? Um, well, in terms of the system, it sort of gets back to what I was saying. If you're in anything, if you're in any, you know, any type of investment, and the reason we sort of created what we did, where we capped the diversified, capped it at a diversified basket, is because at night, event-driven risk can always destroy anything that you're in. There's no system that can be created that can sort of predict, you know, political events and you know, these geopolitical events and things like that. So right. you really are at risk of the portfolio you're holding that day. And we sort of saw that very early on when you would look at tactical managers that might go like double leverage mid-cap for a few weeks or something and think, well, if something happened overnight, I'm still in double leverage mid-cap. It doesn't matter that they can get out. But event-driven risk really is the, uh, is, is the uh, issue that you have with any investment. Yeah. Yeah. And Jason, before I get to the second options and things like that, before I get to the second question that we always ask, uh, I I meant to ask earlier, who are your clients? Do you have investor clients? Uh, Do you work just with do you work with advisors? Do you work with both? Do you work with institutions? Are you strictly retail? Who are your clients? Our clients are mostly advisors because we've just launched the ETF with the system. So most of our business was advisors and or 401k plans um advisors because we were running as a separate account not as a publicly traded uh, tool that anybody could buy right. we're still going to go to those same advisors and say that this is a better way to do this it's more tax efficient than the separate account so you should use the etf on the 401k side because we had sort of this diversified basket 
it was a much different way to add tactical, which was still sort of QDIA approved uh, for customers and qualified accounts. So they actually sort of like that, that we can actually control the risk for the customer side for some of those other rules that you have that are specific to 401ks. Now we're looking at, I think, advisors using this as a tool in terms of sort of creating this sort of allocation and putting the TCTL ETF along with the core strategy that they may already have, their core buy and hold, where in the past we were sort of the whole thing, sort of almost outsourced CIO, creating the entire allocation for them. Okay, so do you have any institutional clients? Do you focus on them at all? Uh, What's your definition of institutional? (laughs) Well, pension plans, uh, hedge funds, uh, foundations. We have advisors as clients, so I don't know hedge funds. We have advisors. I'm fairly certain that we have some foundations as well, but we just are, when the advisor uses us, we're sort of blind to the actual end customer in terms of answering that question. It's Gotcha. Okay. You know, you know how that works. Yeah, I do. So primarily, you're focused on advisors. Correct. Okay. A second question we ask all of our guests: What book on investing on investing would you recommend for our listeners? Um, it depends on. You know, we're sort of doing a lot of different things, so it depends on which area you're talking about. If it was trading specifically, if people thought about the trading, then uh, Trading System and Systems and Methods by Perry Kaufman was one of the best books that I've read in terms of. It really, it's a little bit you know down and dirty into the math, but I think most people can find something good about it. In terms of sort of asset allocation, there really aren't a lot of books on that, right? Because that's sort of something that it, that advisors do for clients. But if right. you if you go online, uh, Tom Edzork from Morningstar has done quite an extensive look at sort of different ways to do to create asset allocations, looking at sort of Mark Markowitz to Black Litterman, to, uh, to resampling, and all these different ways to create asset allocations. So a lot of the stuff that we're doing really sort of comes from that sort of research as well as sort of the trading stuff that I mentioned before. In terms of just general sort of personal finance, I think Jared Wilcox, the discretionary wealth hypothesis, is one of the most interesting things that I've read. Um, it really sort of sheds a light on risk tolerance a little bit differently than people are accustomed to. Jason, we got our money's worth out of that one. You gave us three that we have not heard before in the 200-plus interviews that we've done here. So uh, you, you, you uncover gems here and uh, apparently work hard at it. So give everybody your... Uh, that we're doing. Okay. Give everybody your website and contact information, will you? Yeah, sure. So... Uh, the website is www.premisecapital.com, or now we have a new ETF website. It's www.tctl.us, and info at premisecapital.com or tctl at premisecapital.com would be an email address. And we have an 800 line that we're getting up and running. It's 866-TCTL-ETF. Great. Okay, so uh, tell us, uh, give us your final words here, Jason. Um, I think the final words is that people, if they look into it a little bit more, if you want to call, we can discuss. There's a lot of uh, talk about the tax efficiency of ETFs and things that happen inside them. But people would be a little bit more surprised if you really delve deeper into what can happen inside of an ETF, especially an index-based ETF that we have because we've actually created an index and then an ETF that tracks it. There's even more of an efficiency on the tax side. Um, by doing that. So I think people should really sort of look at the way that that is being used 
and uh, people would be pleasantly surprised. I, I've been doing this a long time, and it was a, a surprise to me about four years ago when I figured out what was actually happening, and that's one of the reasons that we created it, because I've been trading and doing things, and I was I was actually pretty surprised at how efficient they actually became beyond what the sort of the investopedia sort of definition of tax efficiency of an ETF is. Jason, thank you very much. That's an excellent recommendation, not one that uh, anybody has made before, even though we've talked about ETFs on most of our shows. So we really appreciate that input. So, Jason, you've given us a lot to think about, a lot to try to understand. You've got a program that combines two things that typically are not combined, the efficient frontier and tactical, and we've got to hand it to you for doing doing that, and it appears that your rules-based, algorithmic-based system uh, is moving forward, and you certainly have the background and experience to create that, so congratulations, and best of luck uh, to you and to TCTL and to everybody there at Premise Capital in moving forward productively, and thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Thank you very much. Again, we've been talking with Jason Rowland, CFA, co-founder and senior portfolio manager at Premise Capital, just out of, outside of Chicago. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio. We'd love to have you contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com. You can go to our website to hear podcasts of all of our interviews and shows, strategicinvestorradio.com. I'm Charlie Wright, wishing you an enjoyable week and productive investing. Strategic Investor Radio is a production of OC Talk Radio and is provided for educational purposes only. Content of this program and the views of the guests should not be considered as recommendations by OC Talk Radio or investment advice from the host, Charlie Wright, or any other entity attached to this production. Investors should always consult qualified financial, investment, tax, or legal professionals prior to investing. 